that just welcome back to our Uphill series. And, you know, last week, Pastor Josh did a great job and, and sharing, opening up the series. But we're, you know, it's like what Aristotle said. It's like, we are what we repeatedly do. How many of you know that a lot of times we keep, how many of you know that many of us, when we were young, we just begin to create habits? And I remember when I was a kid, I hate, I hate this, but by the time I was in second grade, I could cuss better than anybody could. That's what I did. That was my habit. And then until one day, my daddy saw me, and I thought, you know, I'm going to learn cussing. I'm going to learn how to give symbols to people. I gave a peace symbol one time. It wasn't really a peace symbol to someone. And my dad goes, do you know what that means? And I didn't know what it mean. He goes, I go, yeah. And he beat the cheese out of me. That broke that habit. That's all I got to say. And so this morning, what I want to do is, I, you know, we're, fun, we're, we're just a farm of, uh, we just become a farm of our own habits that we begin to create in our own lives. And, and we're some of what we keep, we keep doing and uh, over and over and over. It's kind of like the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing over and expect different results. But if you keep doing it, you're just going to keep having the same results. So most people live in uphill hopes, but yet they have downhill habits. And see, what happens is for many of us, we go, you know what? It's okay to have hope. Say it when we say hope. hope. Hope to cope. All right? You don't need to repeat that. But, but what happens is we, hope will get you going, but it won't keep you. It won't keep you going. There's nothing wrong with having hope. But see, you may say, well, I, you know, Pastor Bubba, I, I just, I've tried to change my habits. But you know what? Yeah, but God, God's, but here's, here's what I want you to know. You need to let God help you with your habits. See, when's the last time you said, you know, God, I'm all in, but God, I'm all in with you. And see, I believe that, you know, you have chosen, you see, what you need to do is say, God, I want to begin to create God habits in my life. How many of you say, you know what, it's easy to do all the habits that I've been doing over the years and I keep repeating them. How many of you ever busted yourself? Come on. Yeah, I mean, you ever just like, oh, you, I mean, you talk to yourself. I hear voices sometimes. Y'all pray for me. But anyway. But what happens is, is that a lot of times what we do is we hear things and we begin to repeat those things. So what I want to do is I want to take you a portion of Scripture in Romans 12. And this is kind of like the theme verse for what I want to talk to you about this morning. So we'll just say, it says, fix your attention on who? God. On God. You'll be changed from the what? See, what we do in society, we think if we can change the outside, everything will be good. People think we got it together. But how many of you know you can only wear your fake self for so long? And then all of a sudden, things in life, habits on that begin to expose and begin to crack those things in our lives. And then we go, wait a minute, wait a minute what, what, what have I become? And then we don't like the very thing or the very person or the habits that we've done and created with that we've become. How I many you know what I'm talking about? And so what happens is, is it, it says, uh, readily recognize what he wants. What? From who? From you. God wants something from us. And quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. How many of you know culture will drag you places you don't want to go, being around people you don't even like? Come on. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, culture just, it'll say things and we say, oh, i got to just be like everybody else. And No, you don't. And he says, God brings the what? You know, as a pastor, let me just say this. As a pastor, you know what I want? My responsibility is to bring the best out of you. See, God wants to bring the best out of us. But, you know, as a pastor, I want to see the best come out of you. Is that all right? 
And I don't apologize for that. And it says, and out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. In other words, see, the first habit was this. Focus on what you do, what I do first. See, God wants to give us habits. What we got to begin to do is focus on what God wants to do first. That was last week. And so there's first mention in the Bible. And what happens every time something's mentioned in the Bible the first time, you can see a pattern throughout the Bible. There was an intent for that. And the second habit I want to talk to you about this morning is this. Keep my life. I need to keep my life aligned with God. How many of you ever visited the chiropractor? Come I mean, come on. I mean, you know, I mean, you just like you can go there and they go, you know, go, hey, doc, there's something in my shoulder. And he was like, oh, OK, OK. And, he, and he'll, he'll say he'll start doing things. And, and sometimes how many you know that even though it could be in your shoulder or your leg, it's called deferred pain. It might not be the source of what you got to deal with isn't right here sometimes. You like the doc, I've gone to the chiropractor and said, man, my, my, my hip hurts. And he said, well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me see your leg. And bang, dang. And he moves something in your leg and your ear tingles. And you go, what was that all about? Then all of a sudden you go, whoa, man, it's better. Come on. I mean, you, you, you know, you know, doc, doc, it's, it's the arm. No, no, no. And he presses something like, right, something. Doc, I thought it was the arm. And see, I'll just say this. There's a lot of people that come to God, and they go, I got pain right here. And God's going, no, 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 that's not the source of your pain. Here's the source of your pain. You see, it's us. Come on, are you with me this morning? I'm in the right church. It's us learning to align ourselves to God. And see, what happens is, is that in your life, if your life's out of, out of alignment, you will have, you'll, you'll have pain places that you never thought. And as a pastor, many times I've had people come to me as a pastor, this and this and this happened. And I can look at them and go, but that's not your problem. Can I tell you what your problem is? You've allowed these things to come in your marriage. Come on. I had a guy one time, he said, I mean, we were in the front building. He goes, pastor, me and my wife having problems. And, And he's like, can you help me? I'm like, I'm fixing to go up and preach. And he wants me to do a miracle in 30 seconds. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not like a trick dog. Hey, (laughs) you know, and I just looked at him and said, marriage is like a bank account. Whatever you deposit is what you can, you know, you can withdraw. But most marriages are overdrawn. Think about that. And he goes, oh golly, I never saw him again. But here's the thing. You've got to realize this. There's nothing more important of knowing why you are here on this planet. You see, I believe this. You know what? We try to fix our pain. We work on it because here's what you have to realize. Even though there's an alignment you need to have, there's what God wants you to understand is that because here, here's the thing you need to realize, because I have a habit, you know, because I have a ha- because I have a purpose. Listen, same way, say this word when you say purpose. Everybody that's born and everybody that's in a seat this morning, you have a purpose that God is giving you. I don't care what your daddy said. I don't care what your mama said from the other side of the bayou. I don't care if she had webbed feet. I don't care if she talked crooked. I don't care if she could see or not. God has a purpose for your life. Amen? And see, for every one of us, your, your life won't make sense until you find your purpose. See, all the things around you. I love what Psalm says. And Psalm says it like that. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. 
before one of them came to be. When I think about some of the things I think about, it's like in my life, I go, you know what? I had a few books written about me that weren't intended by God. In fact, they weren't God's purpose for my life. How many of you feel like I've written a few books like that too, Pastor Bubba? Come on, man, the right church? Here's, it, here's what you understand. It's not how you start the race that's important. It's how you finish. And it's the last chapter that God writes about your life that's the most important book that will ever write about your life. Amen? Yeah. And see, I want you to understand that some of you are thinking, you know, but Pastor, I'm just messed up. Let's see what the Scripture says. It says right here, Ephesians, for we are God's what? We're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works. And he says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is what I want you to understand. God, when God created you, this is what you need to realize. He didn't go, you know what? Okay. They're born. Hmm, let's see. What am I going to make them become? Hmm. No, you know what God does? Before you were created, God had a purpose for your life. You know, I was a mistake to the world. My mom got pregnant for me when she was 16 years old, okay, in 1959. You know, that's not good. So my parents had a, what they call a shotgun wedding. Do you understand what that means? Okay, but here's the thing. I could be a mistake to other people, come on, but I was never a mistake to God. And so what God does, for every one of you here, I don't know, you know, well, Pastor Bubba, I'm a backseat child. I don't know where you came from. <laughs> but what's most important, God put a purpose in your life before you were born. And you didn't understand that. I don't care what the devil told you. I don't care what your mama told you. I don't care what anybody has told you. You need to understand this, is that God has a purpose for your life. Amen. And some of you need to begin to believe that God has a purpose for your life. You are not a mistake. You're not a barnacle on the bottom of a boat in Cameron Harbor. So take that. Because you have to understand, you need to live your life by design and not by default. And this is what you have to understand is that because there's competition for your, my time, and not only my time, but in my attention, come on. There's competition for my time and my attention, just like you. And so what happens is, how many of you know that credit card companies have a plan for your wallet? They find out, ooh, they charge something. And they go, and like 10 of them go, hey, we want to help you. You be our friend. They want to know your wallet. If you let someone else define who your life is, they will. And some of us have lived our lives defined by other people's voices rather than the voice of God and trusted people that can speak truth in our lives. You see, what has to happen is, is that you need to, we need to add many, you know, we, we, we add many things to our lives, and we're doing too much. The world mantra is this. If $1 is good, how many you know $2 might be real good? Come on. One car's good, but you know what? We need two. Two's good. Come on. One kid's good. <laughs> Yo, Pastor, don't go there. Two kids are better because it'll beat the selfishness out of you. You know, one wife's good. 
but two wives ain't good. Uh-huh, y'all thought I was going there. See, there was like a seminary student asked his professor one day, he said, Professor, I just don't understand that. How come Solomon had so many wives? Oh, it's easy, son. He had so many wives, so when he came home, at least one would be in a good mood. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I just... All right, bad pastor. Bad pastor. Bad. Yeah, I know. Okay, I won't say it again till next service. Anyway. Let me just say, an overwhelmed schedule will often produce an overwhelmed life. And some of us in our schedule, we don't realize how busy we are until we take a break. Or we try to take a break. You know, Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes. He said that better one handful with tranquility, that means peace. How many like peace? Man, I love peace. I love being my wife and there's peace. Come on, peace be still. Then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. In other words, it's better to, you know what, to have some freedom in your life. And sometimes we get so busy. You know, how you doing? Busy. How's things going? Busy. How how you and your wife? Busy. Everything's busy. And we don't stop to smell the flowers. Come on. When's the last time? That you just stopped. It's like I heard someone say, you can have a a worm's view or you can have a bird's view. You know what? There was two guys in prison. They were looking. He goes, hey, man. He goes, "Uh, what do you see? He goes, I see mud. And they looked at the other guy. What do you see? Stars. Stars. It's your point of view. It's how you view things. You see, because you need to realize this, and I've, I've realized this more and more. Here's the next thing you need to understand. Time is short. Time's short. Time is short for your life. You're one day closer to the end of your life than you were yesterday. Today is my father's birthday. 26 years ago, he went to be, he went, he left this earth. I was thinking about him this morning. I mean, 26 years is like that. So quick. Jesus is coming soon. I'm not an eschatologist. I'm not someone that studies the times and dates, but I do read my Bible. And if you read your Bible, you begin to see prophecies begin to come about. You begin to see things that are happening in our society. You look at the Middle East, you see things that alliances coming together, these countries that you thought never would happen. I remember being a kid being drugged to church before I did drugs with my grandmother. Y'all get that later. Jesus is coming soon, and we're living. I don't think we're living in the last days. I I believe we're living in the last moments. And it's such a good reminder from from James, who was actually Jesus' half-brother. And it says this. It says, now listen. You say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? Look at me. You need to live your life like it's your last day. You know, if we lived our life like it was our last day, I believe there would be things that we would begin, we would begin to change some of our priorities and some of the decisions we make. Are you hearing me? 
I spent lot, my wife and I spent time with a lady that has cancer. And it's, it's like, unless God does, I mean, she even living right now, it's a miracle. And she began to tell us, she goes, I just get on and I begin to write. And I write my blog. And then I begin, I don't even know what I'm writing. And then all of a sudden I begin to read it. And I start weeping because God's speaking to me through this blog. And she may have days, she may have weeks or a month or two. And I'm listening to her talk about God. And I'm doing, you know, if, if you know me, I am a man of many, many words. That's my wife. She tries to take naps and she goes, looks at me and she goes, are you done talking yet? That's the gospel truth. And I'm just standing there, I'm sitting there listening to her, and our, our one and a half, two hour visit turned into almost four hours. Just listening to her. Because you know what? Time is short. And all of a sudden, when time becomes short, all of a sudden, your priorities begin to change. Your decisions begin to change. Because time's short. Jesus is coming soon, and we're living in those last days. And so what I want you to know, I'll never, and see, here's what happens. He said, I'll never change my life until until I change something. That You'll never change your life until you do something every day to change your life. Are you hearing me? If you keep doing the same thing and thinking about change is going to happen, it's not. And what will frustrate a marriage is when you make a commitment to change something and you don't. Hello? Got real quiet in here. Either God's working or husbands are scared. <laughs> it may be both. You see, you keep getting the same thing, and you're going, why do I keep getting this? Why am I frustrated? Why aren't things changing? And here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about mastering a habit. There's some things you're going to have to do. The first thing is four, and I'm not going to be long. The first thing is you have to decide... What is important? You have to decide what's important. A lot of our lives are being defined by what's urgent rather than what's important. What do you mean by that? Well, I gotta hurry up and do this. I gotta do that. What's important? You see, we can't you can't lose our priority, but there's there's that competition trying to get to us, like I was sharing earlier, that's trying to take us, and we got to hurry up and make a decision and do something, or our things are gonna, and then we have that, it's kind of like that song, freak out. You know, we don't know what to do. So we make a decision. Have you ever reminded yourself of your priority? It's kind of like this. I know it's getting close to Super Bowl season. I don't know if y'all heard about Boudreaux. But Boudreaux went to the Super Bowl, sitting on the 50-yard line. And, man, he was having a good time. There was a man right above him. He goes, now, Boudreaux, how come you got an empty seat? Now, man, I mean, them tickets are expensive. He goes, man, well, I was going to bring my wife, but she died. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Boudreaux. Why didn't you just give it to one of your family members or somebody like that to just come sit with you instead of just having an empty? He says, man, I couldn't do that. They all at a funeral. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, some of you get it. At the end of Sunday, but anyway, he has messed up priorities. That's all I got to say. I'm not, I'm not saying using him as an example, but I just woke you up a little bit, hopefully. Let's, let's, see what, let's go back to the scripture. Let's see what Philippians has to say. 
He said, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for what? For the sake of who? For Jesus. I love that line. He says, what is more, what is more, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, my Lord. For those for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now listen, I want you to understand what this scripture is really saying. There's some people, they know God. But there's other people, there's like this. I'm pushing all my chips in the middle of the table, and I'm all in. All. Because see, I've learned this. If you want some of God, he'll give you some of himself. But if you want all of God, you got to be willing to give all. And sometimes the reason we're frustrated, sometimes the reason we walk through things and the habits we have, because we haven't given him all. I remember the day that I bowed my knee 37 years ago, and I was tired of my lifestyle, tired of all the partying, tired of trying to be fake, trying to put on this mask for that person and that mask for that person, having to go to work, talking to guys, help, hooking them up. They trying to hook me up. And then I got to the point where I said, you know, I'm tired of the hookups. I'm tired of this. And you know what? None of those brings, things bring joy to me. And I had opportunity to bow my knee before God. And I remember that day when I bowed my knee and my knee and I just said, God, I give you all. And I remember the day that he came. It was, I began, I was getting high, but I, all of a sudden I began to serve the most high. Amen. Come on, all you partiers out there. And you know what happened? God began to change me on the inside out. And it wasn't about my reputation. It wasn't about who I was anymore, but he's consumed my life. I'm so thankful for Jesus. And when I think about that scripture... What does it compare? I said, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Hey, Boone's Farm Tickle Pink, 97 cents at Albertsons in Lafayette when I was growing up. It could give me a buzz for a little while, but it didn't get me to the next day. It didn't help me with the pain that I had coming from a divorced home. All the other issues. Come on. Money couldn't buy happiness. Whatever I used to think was really important, it just became not important anymore. And see, I believe that the real fun is living your life to make a difference. The only way we'll ever know this is you've got to go all in. Say it when we say all in. All in. All in, man. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all in. Why play religion? Why play all that stuff? I'm not here to play religion. You know, I had a lady, I was getting a treatment this week, and she goes, can I pray for you? And it's a Catholic hospital, nothing about it. I said, only if you let me pray for you. And she prayed for me. She read a prayer, and I grabbed her hand. I prayed a Holy Ghost prayer on her. She didn't know what hit her. Jesus, I mean, she thought the sea was parting. I don't know what she thought her hair parted. But anyway, just, <laughs> no, I'm just. And I thought, you know what? And I, you know what? I didn't get mad at her. I pray God would touch her for her being so generous, giving up her time to help other people, that God would touch her and strengthen her and help her and give her the ability to have strength and walk out of that hospital at the end of the day praying for others that she would have the joy of Jesus. You know, she looked at me, she goes, I like you. 
I like me too. I'm in love with me. Anyway, just. Because see, Psalm says it like this, Psalm 90. And I love Psalm 90 because Psalm 90 reminds me of uh, in World War I, every time I read it about a troop called Troop 90 in World War I. And they used to pray Psalm 90 every single day. And at the end of World War I, not one person was killed in their troop because they believed God covered them. It's a great, it's a great psalm you can go and read. I think about 12 verses, 10, 12 verses. It says, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. How many of you know that we don't, when it comes to the end, it's just about how many days we're here on this earth. And he says, help us to spend them as we should. You know, I try to make priorities in my life. And John Maxwell says it like this. There's a thing called the rule of five. In other words, you try to do five things, not exhaustively every day, but you try to find five things you can do just a little bit, and you can get something accomplished later on. He said it's like going to a tree, and you know you got to cut a tree, and you go, you get your axe, and you give it five whacks. You know, but that sometime by sometime during the year, eventually that tree's going to fall over. But you're not wasting your time. You're not overexerting yourself. You're just doing a habit. You know, and I have habits in my life that I try to do. One of the habits I try to do is I like to pray every day. That means I could pray a long prayer, or I could pray a sentence. Or a word. Sometimes the best word, you, the best thing you can pray is this. Help! Come on, everybody been, everybody been to the rock of escape? Help! God hears those prayers. The Bible says he hears the cry of our hearts. Not only that, he said, I want to read my Bible every day. See, the Bible can't get in you unless you put yourself in front of it. It's like, how many of you know you can't begin to know a person unless you spend time with them? And I read five chapters a day. And I don't get condemned myself. You know, I didn't read, I read oh, so much time. I make it a commitment. I made a commitment. I read five chapters a day. Why? Because I, without God, I'm a real stupid man. But with God, I can make, begin to make good decisions. Because for a long time, I had stupid written on my forehead. And my friends saw it, and they had stupid on theirs. And we go, hey, we see a reflection. Not only that. I want to get close to the ones that I love. I love Miss Tracy. She's cool. She just is. She's good looking. She's smarter than me. No, those are the truth. Come on, I'm, I'm getting them, brother. While I got a stage and I got an audience, Lord, I'll eat that up. But you know what? She loves God more than I do. And you know what? When you're her friend... You got a friend in her. You got a friend in her. I'm not going to go there. Toy story. But anyway, she ain't toying either. But you know what I also try to put in practice? I love her. I love my kids. I love them. We don't always see it eye to eye, but I love them. And I love you. You know, this morning I prayed for you this morning. Pray for every one of you. Pray for my wife. Pray for my children. Pray for you. And another one I like to do is I do this sometimes at the end of the day. I want to make a difference in someone else's life. Amen? And sometimes I'll think God will put people in my mind. And my wife's seen this. I'll call them on the phone. Man, man, how you doing? 
I was just thinking about you. Wow. And the last thing I like, I'll just say, I like to take care of myself. I used to run, but you can tell by my waistline, I hadn't been running lately. Just take care of yourself. It's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself. But I don't have to spend 45 minutes in front of a mirror. I'm the quickest shower taker in my house. Two minutes, I'm out. Military. it's, It's a job. It's not there to hang out and let water just shrivel you up. I got things to do. But you need to create your own. But you know what? You need, to make, you need to make time. Listen to me. You need to make time for renewal of your life. What does that mean, Pastor Baba? you got to refresh yourself. Because some of you, look at me. Some of you are doing too much. And some of you don't know how to relax. Some of you just, you know, I mean, sometimes you need to just have a Sabbath. Pastor Josh, he did a great job last week talking about Sabbath. He said, go home, go eat. Go watch a football game. He gave you permission to take a nap. I took that literally. I said, man, I love Pastor Josh. He gave me, I don't care what the devil said about taking naps. I'm going all in with authority. And I hit that pillar like, come on. It didn't know what it was going to do. But anyway, you have to learn to refresh your body. You have to learn to refresh your soul. You have to learn to refresh your spirit. Are y'all with me? You need to take time for your relationships. The most important decisions in your life are the people you choose to do life with. You know, we've got, we've got life groups coming. And that's where it's an opportunity to get around people that will be there with you and for you. And when they can't, when Pastor Josh and I or Zach or Pastor Jamie can't be at the hospital, can I just tell you something? Your life group can show up. I know life groups that they had a tragedy in the family. They had a, a, like a, an incredible uh, dinner made, and they heard somebody else had a tragedy in the family. They took their whole dinner in their life group and brought it to that, that person's family, and then they ordered pizza for themselves because they thought, you know what? They're going through a painful moment. They need it more than we do. And that's what life groups are all about. Just being around, hanging around people, getting to know people. Some of you, look at me. Some of us need to get off our electronics and meet people. Well, I meet them on Facebook. That ain't Facebook. Facebook ain't nothing. You can hide and lie at Facebook. But you know what? When you get around people, there's just something about the empowerment of encouragement coming your way. I like to be encouraged. I just do. You know, I just want to give a shout out. Think about this. I mean, you got, you got to make time for rewards. Sometimes, it, I'm not talking about getting bluebell ice cream. I'm rewarding myself. Some of us have celebrated too much. Thanks for all those amens. But anyway, I went outside today and looked at, I, I love our dream team because you know what? I can't do what I'm doing here on the stage without the dream team. People that are working with our children, they're not feeding them red Kool-Aid and getting them hyped up. <laughs> and for you to go, oh, Jesus, what happened over there? Lord. Anyway. And then you know what? Last week, the Parkers, they were parking in the rain. And this week, it's cold. I went over there and said, thank y'all for what y'all doing. I hope you're not doing it for me and Pastor Josh because you're wasting your time. And you know what? You're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it for all the right reasons. God bless you. One of them even offered to give me their camouflage gloves. I almost took them. They look good. (laughs) I need something like that. But anyway, you know, it's just Ecclesiastes says, Solomon, he says, he said, I've seen all things. 
that are done under the sun. And all of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What does he mean by that? He's saying, you know, I've pursued a lot of things. I've seen it all. He had everything. And he said, pursuing a lot of those things, it was just meaningless. The third point, you got to eliminate the non-essentials. There are things in life that don't belong. You don't... Don't make your life, and they don't make your life better. Instead of writing a to-do list, you need to write a not-to-do list. Some of us need to do that. And some of us, can I just say, some of us need to learn to have a little fun and laugh sometimes. Come on. I mean, Olivia and I was taking her to school the other day, and we were talking about all kinds of stuff, and she's doing slime and all this stuff, and she's putting glitter in it, and we're talking about just different things. And I just, I said, you know, Livy, we were talking about dogs. We're going to get a dog and new dog. And I said, you know, my dad had a dog one time. He named it LD. She goes, what does LD mean, dad? He goes, well, my, I asked my dad the same thing. I was out of town. I said, dad, what does LD mean? He goes, learning difficulty, son. The dog had some learning difficulty. He was half blind, couldn't hear. He just had learning difficulty. And she just starts laughing, and I start laughing, and we're just laughing. You know, when, you know when someone's laughing and you start laughing and then you can't look at each other and you start laughing? Okay, some of y'all need to have some fun and laugh. Y'all look real serious. I don't even know what you're on with. Hebrews says it like this. Let us, look at it. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In other words, it's time to just, the Bible says, it's time for me to cast my cares on God. Because you know what the Bible says? Because God cares for you. Isn't it good to know you're cared for? And he says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here's why I want you to understand. It's a, time, it's a race that you have to pace yourself for the rest of your life. We're in a race. They used to have an investment commercial. And they had two guys running. One guy, he's sprinting. And then and this other guy, he's just kind of taking his time. And he's like, you know, and the whole commercial was, and you can, you can do it. You can do it this way, but eventually you're going to burn out. But if you, have, if you have a pace, if you set your sights on what you need to do and accomplish You'll make it. The Bible said earlier, we're in a race. We have to set our affections on the one that we're running with. And I can remember being in sports and some of the biggest encouragement if I heard my dad's voice. And my real name's Howard. And he'd go, go Howard! And I could, you know what's crazy? I could distinguish his voice above every other voice in the crowd. And when his voice would come, I would just go. I didn't go, that's my dad. I just know, that's a voice I know. And they're cheering me on. When's the last time you just let the Lord cheer you on? When's the last time? If God's with you, that means he's for you. And if the devil's against you, listen to me. Whose voice are you listening to? Because see, the Lord will say, go. Come on, you can do it. The devil's voice, mm-hmm, remember last week? You're going to quit eating ice cream? You are lying to yourself. You know, all this fasting, come on. 
That sounds good right now. But the last point is this. Sometimes we just need to learn to take an inventory. What does that mean? Sometimes we just need to see what's there. My dad used to have a sports and hardware store, and sometimes my job would be to count all the screws and the nails in the bins. I hated that. Because I'd tell my dad, because you count them, oh, there's 400 there, Dad. Because no, 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 no. I didn't know exactly how many are there. Are you kidding me? And we'd have to take each screw, each nut, each washer, each nail, whatever size they were, whatever weight they were, and count them individually. And see, I believe that sometimes we need to see this. Where is my life not aligning with God's purposes for my life? How can I find God's purpose if I'm not even aligning my life to God? It's, God's not like this. It's serving God's not like this. Whichever the way the wind blows, I'm blowing today. God has a purpose for every one of your lives, no matter what people have said, no matter what people have done. And I want to pray this prayer over you. I just want you to close your eyes, bow your head. And it's a prayer that I want to pray over you. It's in Psalms 39, verses four and five, and I'm just going to say, it says this, and take this as a prayer. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you human existence is but a breath. 